Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Coger Center Arts Roundup. I'm very pleased to welcome back to the show uh, Nissan Ak, who uh, just recently was named one of the (laughs) 30 under 30 in Turkey by Forbes magazine. Is that correct? Well, it's announced. It will be announced in November. So, all right. Well, so um, <laughs> keep that under your hat. Yeah. But uh, have have a look for the Forbes listings of thirty under thirty for Turkey. Um, I guess that brings us to the fact that uh, Nissan is Turkish. Yes, I am. Um, so, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and how uh, you came to be here at the University of South Carolina. Your journey from Turkey to here. It was a journey indeed. <laughs> um, I I was I studied music since I don't know forever, and then in my bachelor's degree I studied composition, and during composition studying composition I I started conducting my pieces and my friends' pieces and stuff, and then I ended up liking it a lot, and then I did some master classes, etc. And then I got accepted to this school in New York that is a very nice school called Queen's College. (laughs) And I studied my master's degree in orchestral conducting over there. While I was there, I met uh, Maestro Portnoy, who was the music director of USC Symphony until like two years ago. And he basically recruited me. He told me if I wanted to come study with him, and uh, I liked his way of conducting, his way of teaching, so I moved to South Carolina. So you met him in New York City? Yes. Uh, And did it take much convincing to move here to South Carolina? Um, A bit of money. (laughs) (laughs) So you you came down here to get your doctorate in conducting from Maestro Portnoy. Yes. And you're in your... Third and final year is that correct? This is my no. This is now my fourth year. Fourth and final year. Yes, I'm writing my thesis, so I'm done with my classes now. And that gives you time to do things like form the Brook Chamber Orchestra. I know, I did. (laughs) So tell us about uh, where does the name Brook Chamber Orchestra come from? Well, it's funny actually. So last year, around this time, uh, me and my friend Isabel Ong who is now the concertmaster of Proof Chamber Orchestra, uh, decided that we wanted to put a concert. And um, it was going to be her playing Proof Violin Concerto pair, paired with Bizet Symphony in C. And um, so we did that. It, w- it was supposed to be a one-time project. But we had a great turnout, and then the... Um, the recording sounded great, the uh, video sounded great, and then we got funded for one more concert. So back by popular demand. Exactly. <laughs> I was not expecting this, so it kind of, now, okay, we have to be Brook Chamber Orchestra, because we named it Brook Chamber Orchestra for the last concert, and then... We did another one last year in April with Miguel Ihar playing uh, Mozart's Flute Concerto in D. And then now we're doing 
our third concert, Brook Chamber Orchestra's third concert, this time with Ari Streisfeld, who is um, a vi- not a violinist, but he's also in the violin faculty of USC. And before that, he was a part of um, Jack Quartet, who, you know, tours the whole world playing amazing music. They are very, very, very famous. When I was in New York, I was their fan. <laughs> so I can't believe Ari's playing for me right now. It's amazing. Is he still playing with the quartet? No. He moved to U- U.S. It, he moved to South Carolina, and that, that's how he quit Jack Quartet. Oh, well, I thought maybe he was still um, doing both, but it, it's a tough schedule. He is a committed teacher now. Fantastic. And so he's performing. And this concert that we have coming up is when? Uh, October 18th, Friday. So not tomorrow, but the next a, Friday. A, a week from tomorrow. And it's at Johnson Hall? Yeah, at Darla Moore. And Darla Moore School of Business and Johnson Hall. Is that where all the concerts have been thus far? Uh, first concert. Second concert was at the USC School of Music Concert Hall. It's a smaller The recital hall. hall. Yes, the recital hall. The problem is that recital hall is a recital hall. Therefore, it's it's for smaller ensembles, if not just one person. Uh, so it was. It's very hard to fit. Even though, even even we're just a yeah. chamber orchestra, it's very hard to fit. So, so not enough space. Not enough space. Yeah. On the stage. We would love and, to be and, in Kroger at some point, <laughs> but we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, and and hopefully not enough space in the audience either. Yeah, it's, n- yeah, not a lot on of seats. only two hundred eighty or something. Uh, so uh, if you saw the Brook Chamber Orchestra the first time, you know exactly where to go. Johnson Hall is a little bit hard to find sometimes. Uh-huh. It's in the Darla Moore School of Business. It's on the lower level, so it's on the same level as the concourse of the Coliseum. So if anyone has ever been to the Coliseum yeah, back when c- there were performances, you c- if you find yourself on that level, it, you the entrance is right there. But if you walk in through the front, you've got to go down one of the staircases. Yeah. Um, but it's a beautiful hall. It is. And this time on Friday, we have advantages and disadvantages because apparently there's another event at that day at the, uh, at the Darla Moore. But but therefore there will be valet, and there will be volunteered students showing people around where to go. So we're R- good. Right. <laughs> yes. I think I think that their uh, oyster roast is happening at Darla Moore. Yes. The uh, same fundraising event. Yes. Yeah. The same same day. Yeah. And see so you over in uh, Johnson Hall. Maybe some of the people uh, who attend the one event will just find their way over. <laughs> Why not? To, to join you. Sure, they can fund us instead. <laughs> um, so uh, we got an idea of, of where the name comes from. Yes. Uh, like Happy Accident. Yeah. Uh, you always have to be careful when you name something. You know, I don't, you don't mind. Because you don't know how long it's going to last. But it's a good name. Yeah. I When I was naming... The orchestra first for the first concert, first first concert. I thought about doing like Columbia Chamber Orchestra or something, but, but I didn't. Thought, what happens when I move? Well, <laughs> no. Well, I will just move to another orchestra. But um, no, I just um, I I didn't want to be that ambitious actually, for because I I thought that was going to be just a one-time project, and then now it's not. <laughs> Um, tell us about the concert. So what are we going to hear? This concert is going to be special. So we actually named the concert called 
uh, mystery and joy. And the reason for that is that we're doing two Mendelssohn pieces and one uh, Wagner piece. And it's supposed to... So, so the first piece is an overture by Mendelssohn, Fingal's Cave Overture, which is a very... It's, it's just like the title. It's very mysterious. It's, it's, it's about... It, it's, it doesn't really, really have a program... But it is about one place called Fingal's Cave in Scotland. And this place is like, if you Google it, it's it, the images, even the images look amazing. It's, it's, a, it's an island. And in the middle of the island, there's this cave. And it looks like it's man-made. It, and then the waves are like very high. And it looks so... It just looks gorgeous, and then if you listen to the beginning of Fingal's Cave, it it you can you can almost hear the waves happening. I am pretty sure Mendelssohn was trying to create the moment when he first saw Fingal's Cave. So we've got a little bit of this music. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll play that, and yeah. then we can talk about it. Okay. All right. Uh, so this is called the name of the piece is Fingal's Cave. Fingal's Cave, yeah. Right. Fingal's Cave Overture. Okay, so that was just a snippet. Yeah. Uh, so Did, is, you're going to open the concert with this? So this is the opening, yes. And I think, like, were you able to f- uh, hear the ways? It's like, yeah, it, it, he, it, he did a great job, I think, writing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Uh, if I see him, I'll, I'll let him know. Yes. <laughs> okay, so, so we open with this mysterious Mendelssohn piece. Yes. And it really sort of grabs your attention. Yes. And, it's, and, it, and it gets bigger and bigger towards the end of the music. So it is, it's going to be an opener and an attention grabber. And then second piece is going to be Wagner's Siegfried Idol. So this piece is very special in so many ways. First of all, it was written to his wife, Cosima Wagner, and uh, it was premiered in their house in Lucerne, Switzerland, uh, in their first floor at 7.30 a.m. in the morning to wake Cosima up. So it was a birthday present for her. Like a surprise. Yeah, it was a surprise. So she was woken up by this music. Uh, and the music has a program. This music tells a story. It's about Siegfried, their child, at that time a baby. Uh, and it... Basically, Wagner thinks that uh, the Cosima and Siegfried in the same room, Siegfried in the 
in the bed and they Cosimo is trying to sleep make the baby asleep and uh and then she starts thinking about his youth like how many successful things he's going to achieve and blah 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 and then and then eventually she wakes up and then we go back to the beginning of the piece but the beginning of the piece um we have to remember so there are a couple things first of all she's putting the baby to sleep that's one thing but second thing this wagner is trying to wake her wife up so it repeats a lot of times uh which can mean different things but one of the very um practical things is that sh- he wants to make sure that her wife hears these beautiful melodies but so there's this rule in music called the three rule so it's basically it it, it some people say that it's com- it comes from um christianity you know uh father trinity. yeah the trinity father son holy spirit but i think on top of it uh there is a very practical reason so if something repeats three times in music the third time is going to be different because the first time it says something second time it says the same thing third time by that time our brain thinks that it's going to be the same again so it surprises us so in the beginning of the of the piece wagner does the same thing in the beginning it starts with a motif and then second time another uh, the same motif very similar motif but in a uh, in a different t- uh, note and then third time it starts in another different tone different uh, mode uh different note <laughs> but the third time comes in uh very differently we can actually right now listen to the first excerpt so this is the beginning very opening of Siegfried Idol Okay so we so we heard the opening of Siegfried Idol and we heard this little motif and now Wagner is going to repeat that motif in a different uh, starting with a different note but it's going to be like quality wise it's going to be similar it's going to be soft it's going to be tender it's going to be um kind of happy it's going it's going to have the same qualities with uh, with the first one so So the you, you heard the first motif, you heard the second motif. Now you have a pretty good idea about the music. You now are thinking 
that this music is very soft, this music is very tender, this music has a lot of strings in it, and it's slow. It's um, and it's it's in a it's in a key that is, you know, uh, not not harsh, not tense. It's it's a soft and happy key. Now the third time, it's going to start just the way it started for the first and second time. But listen to it now, how it's going to change. So this time, not only the, the way notes work, changed but also the tension of the music changed as well this time it's we we hear we hear well first of all first for the first and second time we didn't really hear tension now we're hearing tension for the first time and we are not hearing resolution anytime the melody tends to arrive to a place where we're going to feel comfortable Wagner moves from there saying that oh I tricked you you think we're going to arrive to somewhere you think we're we're going to have arrival feeling no uh, I'm going to make you think even more harder and I'm going to make you even more tense and now we can listen to the rest of the music uh well rest of the beginning of the music and we will finally 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 arrive to to the beginning again after we think that so many times. Oh, is this the arrival? Oh, is this the arrival? And then finally, we will arrive to somewhere. And it's going to be the exact same place of the beginning. So, what happened is, first time, Wagner said something. Second time, Wagner said something. Third time, now Wagner wants to be heard. Now Wagner wants to make sure all of the things he said now make sense. And then, finally, it arrives to the beginning, which is, I think, functionally means that, oh, is Cosima heard that? or not, let me repeat that just in case. Maybe for the first minute and a half, she was still asleep. So now I'm starting again and uh, repeating all these things. Well, we did a little variety because, of course, this is Wagner. He's not going to actually repeat anything. Uh, but it, it, let, me, let me repeat that again just in case she didn't hear.
So that's the uh, that, that, that snippets from the second piece you're going to play. Yes. Also, there's one thing that I have to mention. So this was this was premiered in their first floor of their house, right? And it was premiered by about 15 people uh, because that's what it fit to their chamber, literally chamber. Uh, so in 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 our concert in the first piece Fingal's Cave we will have a full chamber orchestra about 40 people or so in the second piece in Siegfried Idol Idol we are going to reduce the orchestra so there will be only uh two first violins two second violins two violas one cello one bass and one of each um each winds so it's going to be a real real intimate chamber setting. So is everyone uh, going to get up and walk off stage, or are they going to s- be first-hand participants and listening? No, they're going to walk off stage. I want them to listen from the oh, other side. From the other side. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, so is it three pieces total that we're going to get next Friday night? Yes. So after Siegfried Idol, we're going to have a little bit of a break. Right. So a short intermission. Yes. And then the second part... One and only <laughs> Ari Streisfeld playing Mendelssohn violin concerto with us. So is he playing in the first half at all or just the No, viol- just the second half. Okay. Yeah. I thought you may he could have been one of the first I mean violins. if he wants to sit in. <laughs> I don't I'm not gonna say you, no. You, you could have three first violins <laughs> for Wagner. <laughs> no. Okay. So he's not welcome to join you on the Wagner, but he, but the Mendelssohn <laughs> Uh, after the break. Um, so tell us about what to expect from this piece. Mendelssohn? Yes, the second uh, the, the second Mendelssohn piece you're going to play. So this piece is in E minor, right? Oh, well, first of all, uh, Wagner was in E major. So it's supposed to be, Wagner one is supposed to be the jolly, joyful one. But it sounds mysterious. It sounds... Not that joyful, because uh, it's Wagner, you know, it's never joyful enough. Um, but this piece, Mendelssohn, I feel like Mendelssohn can't cry. <laughs> even, w- even though it's supposed to be a sad music, I think it's such a, such a cool music. It's not really sad. If anything, it's a little bit angry. But the beginning, I think, it starts like a rock piece to me. It's like kind of like metal. It's like... Uh, you know, it starts it it starts softer, but then it it kind of gets like excited and and like excited in a like kind of in an angry-ish side of the spectrum, but like very excited. It's very exciting music. What's the name of the piece again? Mendelssohn's Violin Concerto. Violin Concerto. Yeah, in E minor. In E minor. Uh, so so I feel like if if you our listeners of like metal or rock music, you can you can almost hear the violin as like a lead guitar soloing. I can like I can definitely hear this becoming a metal music with a lead guitar like doing interesting things in a very high register and everyone's like head banging and stuff. <laughs> so we have a we have a little bit of this to listen to. Yes, We're right. at the very beginning of Mendelssohn. Here's that.
that's just a little bit different than what we got in the first half. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's so exciting. I love it. And this is, of course, this is Yasha Heifetz, which uh, playing with Boston Symphony, conducted by Charles Munch. So it's like... <laughs> All rock stars. Everyone here in this recording is a rock star. Including the composer. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone. Okay, so where do we go from here? Okay, so the, the, this is the first movement. Well, not at the beginning of the first movement. And the first movement and the second movement are tied. Uh, so there's no, there's no uh, silence in between the movements. It's, it's tied by this bassoon solo. Bassoon holds a note, and then we start to the second movement and it, like traditionally most of the concertos their second movement are slower and Mendelssohn didn't break the uh, tradition this time uh, he he did write a slow second movement but the, even the second movement like it's just I just keep feeling like this is written for I, if it was written right now it would be written for like an electric guitar soloist doing like big show on an arena concert or something like that. Even the second movement. So we're going to now listen to the, the, the middle, mid of the second movement. And the violinist is doing double stops, meaning he's playing. So normally violin tends to be a like a one melody type of instrument. So like it's not polyphonic, it's mono phonic instrument not like piano you don't really tend to play chords all the time you just play one line at a time but this time in this uh in this moment of the music uh the the violinist not only does double stops but also it pairs it with like a, a higher note as well so it's just it's not only very hard but also the the mood you're supposed to like stay kind of silent. It's supposed to be mysterious. It's just it's it's such a great moment of the piece. All right, we'll hear this. So that is difficult to play. Yeah, I, guess, I mean, I guess I, I'm hope I, I think so. <laughs> You're not a violinist. I'm not a violinist. I couldn't difficult. play. <laughs> sounds difficult to play. Yeah. And it's, then where do where does he take us from here? Okay, so so okay, so the, the second movement ends, and then the third movement starts. So remember, this is a violin concerto in E minor. It's in minor key. So. It's that we we start the third movement uh, in E minor. We are we are listening to what we're accept, expecting. It's going to be a last movement. Probably it's going to be something like a grandioso or something, but it's going to be in minor key. And then plot twist: Mendelssohn tricks us, saying that oh yes, I started the third movement in minor key. But I, I am going to surprise you, and it's going to be a jolly, joyful movement in E major now. Everything is going to change, and it is such a beautiful movement. It's crazy. It just you, you just want to kind of like it's a scherzo, so 
it's it's traditionally a dance from uh, you know uh, Germany kind of Europe, and uh, it's it's just uh, such a like you just want to jump around with this last moment. It's 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 great. So th- this piece is both mystery and joy. Yeah, I feel like well, he, yes, yes, it is mystery and joy. It's going to start with kind of sadness this time, not even mystery, kind of sadness, but is going to say that, you know what? I don't want you to go home sad. I want you to go home happy. I changed my mind. So that's about getting people up on their feet to clap at the end. Maybe, yeah. (laughs) All right, well, let's give it a listen. So I feel like he must have written that one day and then sort of just like tacked it on the end. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to surprise us. Because it, it, it does take a turn. Yes. And it's such a cute turn. I love it. <laughs> um, and, and shows off the violin for sure. Oh, yes. I am so excited to hear Ari doing all of these things. Are you all in rehearsal yet? Uh, we will start the rehearsals next Tuesday. So you're looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, yes. So uh, this is a chamber orchestra, uh, and this is chamber music. What is the difference between, say, you know, the a symphony uh, and a chamber orchestra? Well, it's 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 the size first of all. Symphony orchestra tends to be more than seventy people, eight, eighty up to hundred or so people. So it's more of a grandioso thing it's more it's a bigger thing it's mo- I, I i always think like symphonies are some sort of animals and i feel like like the symphony orchestras especially the bigger symphony orchestras are like elephants it's very hard to move them <laughs> whenever i do guest conducting with bigger symphony orchestras it's just like ah, hard to move you but uh the difference in in terms of sound quality between symphony orchestra and chamber orchestra is the intimacy. Chamber orchestras are actually, chamber orchestra repertoire are actually written for chamber 
chambers, like rooms. Right. So when we say chamber, this was performed in like a like a living room or a dining room yes. or a hall in a home rather than uh, a public performance space. I so, mean, at the, for the time period, obviously, we that's changed now. Yeah. So you have to remember when these things were being performed, like, for example, Mozart was performing they uh, his most of his first premieres and stuff in someone's living room. Well, sometimes it's like a palace living room, but it's still a living room. It's it's just they're inviting like, I don't know, 30, 40 people and then about 30, 40 people are playing. It's just one one by one ratio. And uh and then in time Symphonies became popular and more popular and more popular, and then it became like a <clears throat> bigger thing. They composers started writing to bigger ensembles, and 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 during you know eighteen hundreds or so, they I guess they had more money too, so they could write it too. Right now, it's getting smaller and smaller <laughs> as well. It's very practical. If you have money, you can perform your music because you can pay for your uh, performers, but chamber music chamber repertoire is written for chamber orchestra so it is expected to be some sort of communication between the um between the musicians so if you're conducting a big very big symphony orchestra for example the trombones don't really hear the strings first violin doing something they don't if they're playing loudly they don't really know what's going on so they have to rely on the conductor but if a chamber orchestra music is if it if a music is written for chamber orchestra it's a smaller ensemble they are sometimes yeah uh, to be conducted by a uh, conductor but most of the time the composer is relying on musicians listening to each other for example Siegfried Idol was premiered with a conductor, but it's such a small music that everyone in the orchestra will be able to hear each other. So they will be able to communicate even better. They can follow each other. That's a whole th- whole different thing when musicians can hear each other and can't hear each other. It's it's a way different connection in the music. So there's latency involved if they're having to rely on the conductor. So if the conductor hears something and has to relay it. That's right, one of the is things. Is that one of the things? Laten- latency is definitely one of the things. As a conductor, you have to put everything together. And you have to inspire them into one if you can, into one singular idea of the music. And, you know, that idea keeps changing. But you have to, with your mimics and with your body gestures and stuff, you just constantly inspire the musicians that, okay, now this kind of feeling is happening in the music so that they can project that kind of music to the audience. But on top of it, um, you have to make sure that like all of the little nuances are heard by everyone too and come in at the appropriate time true yeah but every once in a while like just the very very little things that that's like the i think that's the beauty of classical music it's it's there's so much detail that you can just capture at any moment you create moments basically and it's like you know sometimes you go to like a uh 
like a very, very, very nice restaurant that every detail is well taught. It, classical music is just like that. You know, you can eat like a $5 hamburger and then $50 hamburger. And the difference is that, yeah, it's still meat, it's still bun and everything, but the difference is just the details in every single thing. It's just like that. Classical music, I think, tends to be more detailed than any other music. So is that part of what brought you to classical music? Is, uh, how did you find yourself... Uh, in the classical music world. When, when you studied um, composition, mm-hmm. um, was it specifically with an eye towards this style of music, or, or did they teach you, um, you know, across the spectrum? You, you, you could compose for piano, you could compose for rock band, right? You could compose for chamber So did you go to school specifically for so classical composition, or...? Yes, I, I studied classical composition with you know, more of a modern music emphasizing. But um, I, I didn't, I, my, my parents are not musicians. I didn't, I wasn't born to a classical music family. Most of the time, well, not most of the time, but like it's a lot of times uh, conductors or like soloists, basically musicians with a big career tends to, be born in a classical music family so that they 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 are introduced to music classical music at a very very young age therefore they can be prodigy at a young age therefore they can start their career at a young age therefore they can start money at a certain at a a normal age (laughs) so people like us people like everybody else we tend to start our our careers a little bit later if we're not born to a classical music family because basically we learn it later. So I started doing, I mean, I started learning about classical music when I was like eight, nine, and then I... Who, who introduced it to you? It has a, it has a really funny story. <laughs> so um, one of my birthdays, my mom bought me a guitar. And I wasn't interested. I was interested in singing. And I was in, like, choir and stuff um, in school. And so there was there was another choir that was, like, a smaller and a better one. And w- one of the days when I was in, I don't know, fifth grade or something like that, uh, my music teacher came to me and said that, you you play guitar, right? You play guitar, and uh, can you can you bring your guitar to the next rehearsal so I can take you to the other choir and uh, you can do like you can do a company to the choir? And I said yes. I lied <laughs> because you had not yet actually played the guitar. No, I didn't play the guitar, but I really wanted to be in the other choir because like all the popular girls were in that choir. It was the good choir. <laughs> it was the good choir. <laughs> And um, and I was like, yes, I can play guitar. And then I went home, went to my mom, and I said, Mom, can we now take good guitar lessons? And then she was like, okay. <laughs> so I learned a little bit. And then that that year I played uh, a company to the choir. <laughs> so you sort of stumbled into it. Yes. Um, but that wasn't classical music, or was it? Well, I learned classical guitar. You turned, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was classical music. And then in high school, 
I studied conservatory. So it's it, it in Turkey you can study. I think here too you can study music in high school. So that's what I did. That's when I started, uh, you know, playing piano and composing and learning music academically more. And then by the time I was in uh, university, a bachelor's degree, I was very much into music because because I learned how to listen to classical music. So I definitely, definitely, definitely understand who thinks that classical music is boring uh, comparing to other types of popular music, at, at today's popular music, because that's what I thought as well. I mean, I wasn't really listening to classical music until I started doing classical music. So it kind of, it's a different dis- listening discipline. And... And the whole reason, you know, I'm doing all of these things and I'm going to TV shows, radio shows, and trying to convince younger people to come to classical music concerts is because I basically want my friends to come to my concert and have fun. <laughs> because I think it's fun and I think it's really cool music, like rock or EDM or indie and everything else that I listen to. It's very cool and uh, groovy it just takes a little bit different di- listening discipline and I think that uh, I want to thank you for coming on the program today but really it was helpful for me to hear uh, the explanation through yeah. the pieces yeah. so I, mean, I think a little bit of history and a little bit of hey listen for this and, and be sure to notice that the third time through is yeah. not quite the same. Yeah. Because if you're not listening closely, you might, as you said, your brain is expecting the third thing, and if you're sort of staring off into space and not paying attention, you, it might sort of fill in for you, yeah. and you won't really notice that it was the, the difference the third time because, you know, you're not, you're not actually listening. That's the thing about... I, I, I always try to, like, teach to my friends this. Classical music concerts are not places where you like sit down and relax and kind of like and check your phone while you're listening (laughs) i mean if you really want to but it's basically not somewhere that you like you know start thinking about your life and everything it's more it's actually the opposite it's kind of like mindfulness and meditation you this music is written for you to follow not to like kind of your m- mind wanders around and everything. What was popular music? Yeah, I mean, right now the song form is popular music, right? It's it, even though it's like, you know, other instrumental things, it's like song form is super popular right now because we have a lot of expectations. Music is all about expectations. And in the song form, we expect a lot of things. We expect probably a um someone singing we expect it to be um end in under four minutes we expect certain instruments we we expect to listen to lyrics so we the, the the song has a program song has a story to tell and everything um at that time song wasn't really one of the popular uh, song forms, I mean, uh, music, music forms, forms. Uh, symphonies, sonatas, um, concertos, those were really, really popular as well as operas. Uh, so 
they they had a lot of expectations about these things. So when they come to the concert, they knew when they're listening to an E minor concerto, they knew, they expected for it to be a three-movement piece with a fast, slow, fast uh, form. And they expected it to be, you know, because it's in a minor key, they expected it to be some sort of sad and blah, blah, blah. So that's why the third movement of Mendelssohn Violin Concerto is surprising because their expectation is, is different. Challenged. Yes. They have a lot of expectations coming in to concerts at that time. So I think in time it diminished. So we have less of an expectation and... Because we don't have expectations, we don't know what to listen to. But once we do have expectations, it's such a such an exciting music to listen to. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank and, you for and inviting. Really giving us the sell on this program <laughs> and classical music in general. So the program is Mystery and Joy. Yes. It's Wagner and Mendelssohn. Yes. It's at the uh, Johnson Hall and the Darla Moore School of Business. This is next Friday, October the 18th. At 7.30 p.m. Um, uh, conducted by our, our very own Nisan Ak, uh, here from Turkey, getting her degree, a, a, a adopted South Carolinian. Yes. <laughs> um, is there anything else you'd like to add before... Uh, no, it's going to be an awesome concert. It's free. Oh, yes. Oh, it's, it's free. a free concert. Yes. That's, we should make sure that you uh, <laughs> we let people know. So swing by. Yeah. Um, and if you've listened to the program, you'll really have an understanding of what to listen for. Yeah. Um, it's going to be great. And then bring your friends and impress them by telling them some of what you learned today. Yeah, you can. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that wraps up our time today. Thank you for being here this week. The Coker Center Arts Roundup is produced in part by Garnet Media Group, the student media partnership at the University of South Carolina. Information about tickets and upcoming events can be found at CogerCenterForTheArts.com, the official website for Coger Center tickets. For more information about Garnet Media Group, visit GarnetMedia.org.